Hey, can you guys hear me? Okay, well, what's up? My name's Kate. Guys, I'm here with my teammates, Molly, Mason, and Gunner, and we are the traveling team. Okay. Yeah, great. Yeah, thanks. Well, you guys seem really excited about us, but you might be wondering, what actually is the traveling team? Is anybody wondering that? I don't know. Okay, cool. Well, you guys, we're literally a team that travels. Okay, yeah, thank you. Guys, we packed up our lives into suitcases. We put those suitcases into a minivan, and then we drive from campus to campus, talking to college students like yourselves about God's heart and mission for the world. So what that's going to look like tonight is first, Mason's going to come up, and about 30 minutes, he's going to zoom so fast through the entire Bible from Genesis to Revelation, showing us the common theme that God always has and always will have a heart and mission for the world. And then after that, Molly's going to come up, and in about 15 minutes, she's going to run us through an awesome illustration that will help show you guys how to take what you just learned and share it with other people. And so just for the next 45 minutes, I want you guys to lean in or lean back or buckle up or whatever you have to do, but pay attention, okay? Because this talk changes lives. And I personally say that about a lot of things, to be honest. One time I said, One Direction music video changed my life. I don't know. But this talk actually did. I heard one similar in college, and it caused me to change my major and my current career path. And I can't wait to see how God used to change each of your lives and then to change the world. And so I'm going to pray real quick, and then we'll welcome up Mason. Lord, thank you so much for each of these students. God, I just pray that you would just work through us tonight. Lord, just speak your words and let them hear about your heart for the world and your mission and how they can be a part of it. God, you're good, and we just ask to glorify you more with our lives every day. Amen. Amen. Guys, it is so good to be here tonight. I just want to tell you that because it's true, okay? Because you've got Publix chicken strips out there, and they are delicious. I'm excited to be here. And as we were hanging out before, I got to know a little bit about you guys. And I want to start off before we dive into Scripture with a little bit about me. Like, for instance, I am a firm believer that everyone in this room, no matter who you are, you have a favorite season. Okay? Hear me out here. For some of you, it may be summer. Okay? Because you like the tan. You like popping open a Topo Chico on the beach. You enjoy it. Florida's nice. Let's ride. For some of you, it may be winter because you're crazy. All right? And there's grace for that. For me, it has always been fall. Leaves are changing. Pumpkin spice is flowing. There's so many fall festivities. How can you get enough of them? Where I went to college, there's a place outside, uh, right outside of the town called Schuler's Farm. And at Schuler's, they had every fall activity you could possibly ask for. Okay, you could go out there, you could touch a goat, you could ride a tractor, you could... Heck, if you wanted to, you could go into the corn maze. It was actually the toughest corn maze in the state. And I know it was so difficult because I personally lost like two girlfriends in that thing, okay? It was so difficult. But I'm not even joking. My freshman year, winter had already begun. Fall had come and gone. I'd missed my opportunity to go into the corn maze. But as a freshman in college, only one thought was going through my brain. I'm going to go conquer this thing anyway. And so about 12 o'clock one night, I drive out to this corn maze, and I'm about to walk into it. And in my left hand, I have my iPhone with the flashlight on. And in my right hand, I have a pocket knife. Why? Who knows? Protection. I don't know. 
But I go into this corn maze and I realize two things after about an hour and a half, hour 45. A, I should have checked cell reception before I came. And B, if you have an iPhone, you know this already. The battery is terrible. I've been out there for an hour and a half and my phone is already sending me 20%, 10%. And when it got to 10, I entered crisis mode as if I hadn't been in crisis mode for the past hour and a half. And I just look at it, and I'm like, I'm going to turn this thing off, save it for emergencies, emer emergencies. And I'm just going to sit down and try to think, what can I do to get out of this maze? And so I did. I sat on a hay bale. I turned my phone flashlight off, and I'm just sitting there, and I'm thinking, what am I going to do? Am I going to sleep out here tonight? Is that what's happening? Am I about to sleep on a bale of hay in the middle of a cornfield? No, I'm not going to do that. So what's my game plan? I don't have one. I look up, and thank goodness I see this soft glow coming over the top of the corn. And I see this soft little light, and I'm thinking the same thing that each of you are thinking right now. Aliens. This is it for me. I'm dead. I'm going to die. But no, I'm just kidding. It was a soft little glow. I began to chase it for the next 10, 15 minutes. After about 2 hours and 15 minutes, I finally walk up to the end of the corn maze, the finish line. And would you believe it, that about 20 feet past that end, past that finish line, is a lamppost that's been on all night that was there to help people who get lost get out of the maze. And do you know that I spent over two hours confused and frustrated because I had my iPhone flashlight on? I couldn't see what was placed there to get me out of the confusion and frustration of the maze because I was so focused on the little light that I had. And then I step out of that and I think how in life we do the same thing. We have these little flashlights, these little purposes, like success, relationships, money, whatever it is. And we say, okay, as long as I have this, I'm safe and sound, and I can go through life just fine. When God, in his word, has placed a lamppost with a purpose that's so much bigger than who we are. So much bigger than those flashlights. And so tonight, that's what we're going to look at. We're going to look at our purpose from Genesis to Revelation. And we're going to ask the question, should I put down whatever I'm holding and look to the light he has for me? And so we're going to do that. And we're going to see this lamppost across all of Scripture, starting in the very beginning. So essentially, when you're going from Genesis to Revelation, where do you start? Genesis. And if you opened up your Bibles, you'd realize pretty quickly that the first 11 chapters of Genesis are kind of just the introduction. Not to downplay the significance of them, but as you realize, you'll realize that there's creation, there's fall, there's the flood, and then in Genesis 11, there's this event called the Tower of Babel. So in these 11 chapters, we have man with God, man no longer with God, and then God starting over, and then you come to the Tower of Babel, where all of mankind is in one place trying to build a tower to bring glory to their name. God looking down, seeing this is not his design. Breaking that tower, separating man all over the earth, giving him different languages. And as you're about to turn to Genesis 12, you see this picture. The world is full of people speaking different languages, spread across, but not in relationship with God. Not worshiping, not giving glory to the Lord. And so the game plan, as we're about to walk through, we're going to see what is the purpose that we should look to? What is the game plan? How's God going to save the world? And that's when we flip the page 
from Genesis 11 to Genesis 12. Because at the beginning of Genesis 12, God's going to look down on that earth. He's going to see one man. He's going to start with him. And we're going to see the grand plan unveil. We're going to find our lamppost in Genesis 12, verses 1 through 3. Read them along with me. The Lord had said to Abram, leave your country, your people, and your father's household. And go to the land I will show you. I'll make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. Why does God look on this one man and say, I'm going to bless you? That last line. And all nations on earth will be blessed through you. God pulls back the curtain, the lamppost that we get to look to tonight. God blesses his people to bless and reach all people. God places this lamppost, this purpose. He says, my heart is for the world and I'm blessing my people. Why? To reach all peoples, to bless all peoples. And so now we know going forward, what are we going to look to? How does Genesis 12 set up the rest of the story? Has everything go back to this? Well, let's find out. Because you see, as we walk through the Bible, you're going to find that every character, every story, every event, man, it points back. To why God deserves glory all over the world and his heart for the nations. Okay, we see it said to Abraham, but then we see it passed down to his son, to Isaac. God says again, I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky. And through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed. Genesis 26.4 From son to grandson, your descendants will be like the dust of the earth. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. We're three generations deep, and God has said already, time and time again, my heart is for the world. My purpose, I'm blessing my people. Why am I blessing you? To bless and reach all peoples. He wants to see the world glorify his name. And so we're going to see this continue, because Jacob, after this is said to him, is going to have his name changed. He's going to have his name changed to Israel. And if you've read the Old Testament, you know that it follows the nation of Israel. What does the Old Testament do? It follows the lineage of Abraham. God began with Abraham, but then he went Isaac, then he went Jacob, and now he's going into the rest of the nation of Israel throughout the rest of it. And you're going to see right after this nation of Israel is caught up enslaved to Egypt. Why would he then immediately let his people be enslaved? Because he's going to free them. And when he frees them, this is what's going to happen. You see, God says it himself. He says, but for this purpose, I have raised you up, speaking to Pharaoh, to show you my power so that my name may be proclaimed in all the earth. God lets his people be enslaved because when he frees them, the whole world is going to know that God's the one true God. He does it again in David versus Goliath. Okay, David versus Goliath, the teenager that defeats the giant. Why? Well, David says this is why he was able to defeat him. It wasn't just to show us that God can use us to overcome no matter what obstacle, because he can, because he's God, but it's this underlying purpose. You see, David says, this day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, speaking to Goliath, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. You see, time and time again, we're going to see this. We're going to see this theme that God's heart is for the world and he's using his people, their trials, their circumstances to show the world that he is the one true God. He's going to do it in Daniel and the lion's den. He's going to do it with Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego when he saves them from a fiery furnace. He's going to continually, throughout all of the Old Testament and the New, show his people that he's the one true God. This theme is going to be repeated over 1,300 times. In 1,300 different verses, God's going to say, my heart is for the world. 
one of my favorite places to find it, the Psalms. Over 175 times in the Psalms alone, God shows his purpose. In Psalm 67, 1 through 7, he does it 11 times in seven verses. I mean, look at this with me. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine upon us. That your ways may be known on earth, your salvation among the nations. May the peoples praise you, O God. May all the peoples praise you. May the nations be glad and sing for joy. For you rule the peoples justly and guide the nations of earth. May the peoples praise you, O God. May all the peoples praise you. God will bless us. Why? Because all the ends of the earth will fear him. Eleven times in seven verses, God's shouting what? My heart is for the world. I bless my people to reach all peoples. But so many times I read this, and do you know where I get really caught up? That first line. May God be gracious to me. God be gracious to me. Bless us. Bless me. Make his face shine upon us. God, just, just make your face shine upon us. I take those blessings. I take that everything he gives me, and I hold on to it. I say thank you for the blessing, and then I go on my merry way. But at the end of the day, God's not just giving this, these blessings for nothing. He's saying, why? Why have you been gifted with the talents, the things that you can do? That your ways may be known on earth, your salvation among all nations. God blesses his people to reach all peoples. And it continues throughout the rest of the prophets. In Isaiah 49, 6, I will make you as a light for the nations that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. Ezekiel 39, 21, I will display my glory among, where? The nations. In Habakkuk 2.14, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Don't know if you've seen the ocean recently. Completely covered in water. In Malachi 1.11, the last book of the Old Testament, for from the rising of the sun to its setting, my name will be great among the nations, says the Lord. From beginning in Genesis to Malachi, the entire Old Testament is not some boring history book for us to skip through. No, it is a neon sign that says God loves the world. He blesses his people to bless and reach all peoples. And it's not just an Old Testament theme. No, as you flip from the Old Testament to the New, you're going to see that even the birth of the Savior of the world is rooted in the Old Testament. You see, why... Does God bless Abraham? We, we see glimpses of it throughout all of the Old Testament, but when we get to the New, we realize why he looked at this family and he said, I'm going to bless you. What he meant by that. You see, in Matthew 1.1, this is how the gospel starts. This is the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Matthew doesn't go a thousand years back to David. No, he doesn't stop there. He goes 2,000 years back to Abraham. So that when people open up that scripture, they know that the birth of Jesus is rooted in the lamppost promise. It's rooted in God's heart for the world. How is he blessing his people to reach all peoples? Well, he just sent his own son to save the world. So that people would have the chance, the opportunity to know him. You see, 42 generations happen in between this. From Abraham to Isaac to Jacob to the people of Israel, to the prophets, to a manger in Bethlehem where Jesus, fully man, fully God, is born into the world. And he's going to live an entire life, an entire life that is perfect without sin, one we could never live. But why does he do it? Because he's going to die on a cross for your sins, for my sins, for our sins. He's going to die. That weight is going to be buried with him. But then he's going to raise from the dead three days later. And would you believe it? 
victory over sin and death. He has now bridged the gap between eternal relationship with Christ and us. We now have access to the living King, to the King of Kings. And if you're in this room and you don't believe that, I beg you, talk to the person that you came in with. Don't leave this room without having a conversation about is Jesus your Savior or not. I urge you to believe it because it's true. And it's in the most popular verse in the Bible. John 3.16. For God so loved the world. And when I was nine, I learned this for the first time as for God so loved Mason. Which is true. And he loves each and every one of you just as much that if you were the last person on earth, he would die on that cross and he would save your soul for relationship. The problem was that I learned that at nine and it took me 11 years to realize that it said the world. It took me 11 years to realize that I'm not the finish line of John 3.16. It took me 11 years to realize that the gospel has not moved to the rest of the world because at some point we forgot to put the world back in the gospel. You see, God came and he showed us in this, this lamp post promise. He said, I love the world. I'm blessing my people to reach all peoples. And if you're a believer in this room, I urge you take your name back out and put the world back where it belongs. Because God loves the world. And in the Great Commissions, we are commanded to love it as well. You see, in Jesus' own words, we get five different texts where Jesus comes alongside and he tells his disciples as he's about to leave earth, he gives them five different commands that show his heart for the world and how we're supposed to take part in it. In the first Great Commission text, we have Matthew 28, 18 through 20. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. That's a pretty powerful statement. That's like, hey, Right here, man, right here, all authority, mine. Listen to what I have to say. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. In the first great commission text, God says, go and make disciples. Go, both here, both there, wherever you are going, go and make disciples of my name. In the second one, like a diamond being turned in the light, these are all going to show us a different side. Mark 16, 15, he said to them, go into the world and preach the good news to all creation. This one, broadness is the emphasis. In the next one, in Luke 24, 46 through 47, he told them, this is what is written. The Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day and repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name. To where? To all nations. The emphasis here, this is what is written. This is connecting it back to Genesis 12. Jesus is the fulfillment of a long-standing promise. In the next Great Commission text, we have John 20, 21. Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. If you're a believer in this room and you are alive, you're all alive. You are sent. Okay, while some of you may go further geographically, we are all called as believers to the lost world. And in the final Great Commission text, in Acts 1, 8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Here we have two things. First of all, you're not doing it alone. The Holy Spirit has come alongside us. Praise God because we are sinful people. We cannot do it alone. And secondly, we get to be his witnesses. Jesus wrote a signature on our chest the moment that we decided to give him lordship of our life. And we get to walk around and take that fire with us and give it to those who have. And this is where I want to tell you that with that fire, that with this light that we've been following, that God blesses his people to reach all people, something very crazy has happened. You see, Jesus came and he now said that purpose is yours. As you have been blessed, go therefore and reach people. Okay? 
That's what the Great Commission has told us. And what I want to tell you is that there's an area of the world today that is in dire need of being reached. It's the 1040 window. You see, we call it the 1040 window because from 10 degrees north latitude to 40 degrees north latitude, there are actually 5 billion people inside of this window. That's over two-thirds of the world's population. It stretches from West Africa to East Asia, 65 different countries. But the most important statistic is that out of those 5 billion, 3 billion of them are considered unreached, a.k.a. little to no access to the gospel. There are 3 billion people in that window who may not ever get to read a Bible in their own language. They may never go to a church service. In fact, 86% of that 3 billion will be born, go to school, work a, lo- work a job, go to a nursing home, die, and never meet a Christian. And that is shell-shocking. And it hurts. And it hurts to share it. But it's important to share because it's important to know that there is a need. Not to downplay that there are unsaved people, maybe in this room, definitely on campus, that need the gospel just as much. But that if we are called to a lost world, man, sometimes we just have to look at where most of those lost people are and say, I'm willing to give a little bit to go. You see, some of you may look at this, you may say, I I just don't know how to walk into that. And I want to let you know that these people need the gospel, that those three billion need the gospel, but just as much we need something as well. We need that purpose that God has gifted us with. That we are blessed to be a blessing. We now need to take that purpose and walk forward into it. Okay, because some of us are going to get really caught up in these flashlights. In these phone flashlight purposes of money, success, relationships, whatever it is. In this window, there are 3 billion people who are going to live and die with their lives thinking that flashlight is all the hope they'll ever have. But we get this lamppost promise that God loves his people and he loves us. Everybody's going to spend their life choosing one of those purposes. For my dad, for a long time, it was building houses. You see, he loved to renovate, carpentry, all of the above. And when I was 16, I finally started working alongside him. And so I remember the first summer that I had my driver's license, I was 16. I was so excited to do whatever I want with my friends, play Call of Duty, eat Doritos, whatever it was. But then my dad walked into my room, and he asked me to go to work with him. And I knew in that moment I was losing a summer. What I didn't know in that moment is what I was going to build. Because you see, I spent the first half of that summer just absolutely miserable. I was a walking toolbox, okay? You want me to paint the wall? I paint that wall, okay? I get more paint on myself than that wall, but I paint that wall. But the cool thing was about a month in, about halfway through the summer, I realized that as the flooring went in and the walls got painted and the house came to life, I realized that we were building something that was a lot more long-standing than my life. You see, family after family will move into that house. They live there. And as we walked out the last time, I was sad to go. And we get about halfway to the truck, and I turn around, and my dad's just standing staring at me. And so I kind of walk back up to him, and I'm kind of looking at the house, looking at him, and I don't understand what's going on. But as we got quiet and we just stared at this house, he put a hand on my shoulder. My dad's not a man of many words, but I'll never forget what he said. He said, thank you for building See, my dad could have built that house a lot faster without my help. He could have built it a lot easier without my help. But he was a father who wanted to see his son come alongside him and build something that will last. And in the same way, the Great Commission show us that God is inviting you to build something with him. That you may look at this window and you may see a barren lot, but God sees a house ready to be built. 
You see, he shows us the blueprint for the house. What is the world going to look like one day? Well, John got a vision of it in Revelation 7, 9. After this, I looked and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages standing before the throne and before the Lamb, before Jesus. People from all over are going to get together and we're going to worship the living God. And it's going to be beautiful. And what I'm telling you is that God has extended his hand. And he said, come and join me. Help me build this house. And what I'm asking you to do is to just say yes. To not say no. To say, God, I see the world you are building. And I'm asking and I'm begging you, let me be a part of it. God doesn't want some super Christian. He just asks for an obedient. So see the commands and say yes. And if you're sitting there and you don't know where to start, I want to help you with that. Okay, I want to quickly give you just a couple places to start. And it's with going and with sending. And so I think they're going to pop right there. So go go here. Make international friends. Not products out of people, but international friends and share the gospel with them. Because you share the gospel with your friends. Okay? Go there. Spend a summer overseas. Go to Ecuador. Why? Because it's going to make you a better sender if you never go again. And for some of you, maybe it means that you're going to realize you want to spend the rest of your life overseas. Okay, but don't just go. Send as well. And these are equally important. I want you to know that they are equally sacrificial. They are not varsity and JV. And so when I say go, I'm also asking you to send. Okay, send through prayer. The Lord of the harvest looked and said, For the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers few. So pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send laborers. And so what I'm going to ask is for some of you to be the laborers. For some of you, pray that more laborers will go. Okay? Get involved through prayer, but also get involved through giving. I'm going to ask you very, very calmly to look at your bank account. And if you're like me, you'll see it and you'll be like, there's nothing to give. But God didn't ever ask for an amount. He asked for a cheerful heart. And so no matter where you're at in this room, get creative with giving. Give up a meal a week. Eat ramen one night of the week, take $10 every week, and then at the end of the month, you got 40 to give somebody that's going. Okay, get involved with the Great Commission. I ran over these really quickly, but you're about to dive in to a much more practical thing. You're about to get to see how this all plays out and what you can leave here tonight able to share with others. And how that's going to work is Molly's going to come up here in a minute, and she's going to walk you through a tool that you can leave this room equipped to share this message with others. Because as much as I want you to do all four of these, I want you to do the fifth one. And that's to tell others about it. Because the reason, half the reason that window is so crazy big is because I don't think enough people know. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to pray over as we close out the biblical portion. And Molly's going to come up and she's going to lead you through that illustration. You should have papers and pen with you. But for now, just join me in prayer. God, we see what you are doing in the world. We see your will. And we ask, Lord, would you... Just move our hearts to move for you. God, would you do a work in our life that is so powerful that only brings glory to your name? We don't want that glory, Lord. We want to give it to you. So God, would you just be here in this room tonight and would you teach us how to love others like you love us? Amen. Amen. Yeah. Thanks, Mason. Like Mason said, my name is Molly, and we're going to jump into the part two. And so you guys have paper and pens probably under your seat, next to your seat. Let us know if you don't have one. But we are going to be using these to draw an illustration. It's going to be super simple. Don't be intimidated. But you guys, 
I'm excited for this part two because I want to equip you in a way that you can take everything that we learned in part one and put it in a really reproducible way so we can share it with friends and family because this is a message that matters. But also, I want to give you really practical next steps when it comes to going and sending. And so the first thing I want you guys to do is to turn your paper horizontally. Turn it horizontally because we're going to be drawing this illustration. And so everything that pops up on this screen, you guys are going to write on your paper. Okay, so I am going to ask you guys some questions. Would love for your feedback. Just holler out answers. You don't have to raise your hand or anything. Let me know if you have any questions, but we're going to fly through this really fast. I'm going to use some teacher language, so it's going to take a little bit longer, but the idea is that you can share this in five minutes with someone on a napkin, random piece of paper, whatever it is. But let's go ahead and get started. So every illustration needs a title, and so across the very top of your booklet, or those papers, write World Vision Illustration. I know on here it's in the center, but write World Vision Illustration across the top. The next thing that we are going to do is we're going to draw three stick figures. Draw three stick figures right below that. Don't draw them too big. We have a lot to write. And now these stick figures, they need some names. So one in the top right, we're going to label Christian. Go to write Christian underneath. The one in the top center, we're going to label World Christian. So go ahead and label him World Christian. And while you guys are catching up, quick disclaimer, we believe that the Christian and World Christian are both followers of Jesus. They're both in a relationship with him and pursuing after him. But the World Christian has a difference of perspective in three key areas. That's God's word, God's world, and God's work. And so we're going to spend the next six or seven minutes just running through that difference of perspective when it comes to the world Christian. And so underneath world Christian, we're going to write three words. We're going to write the word, word. Write the word, word. Leave about an inch or so or space and write the word, world, world. And then leave another inch or so of space and write the word, work. So you should have word, world, and work. We're going to jump up and start with world. Or with words, sorry. Guys, Mason just walked us through the entire Bible from Genesis to Revelation. We saw in so many passages and stories that God has a heart for the world. But when you're sharing this with people, we want to highlight three verses that we think do a really good job of showing that from the beginning, middle, and end of Scripture. And so out next to the word, word, you're going to draw three little lines coming out from them. And we're going to highlight those verses. And so the first verse is going to be Genesis 12, one yeah, Genesis 12, 3. The second verse is Matthew 28, 19. Matthew 28, 19. And then lastly, Revelation 7, 9. So go ahead and write Revelation 7, 9. And when you're sharing this with people, I want you to walk them through the passages, whether that's opening up your Bible and reading it with them word for word from the Bible or giving them a quick overview of what's happening. So, for example, in Genesis 12, 3, we see God promising Abraham that he's going to bless all nations through him. And Matthew 28, 19, the Great Commission, right? And then in Revelation 7, 9, we see a picture of heaven with people from all nations, tribes, and tongues standing before the throne of God. And so these three verses do a good job of highlighting God's heart for the world. So next to that, draw a bracket or an arrow and write, God has a heart for the world. God has a heart for the world. And these red cards that you have somewhere on your sheet or on your seat have a ton of different verses that you guys can go through and see for yourself again that God really does 
have a heart for the world, but this is a good starting point. And so if God has a heart for the world in his word, then we should probably know a little bit about what the world looks like. So jumping down next to world, we're going to draw a rectangular box big enough that you guys can write in. And if this box, this rectangle, was placed on the map, what do you think it would represent? Yeah, the 1040 window. Yeah, guys, the 1040 window. So go ahead and label it 1040 window. And in the 1040 window, do you guys remember how many billion people live in it? Five. Five billion people. That's a lot of people. That's two-thirds of the world's population that lives in that tiny box. And of those five billion people, do you remember how many billion are considered unreached? Three. Guys, that's three billion people who don't have access to the gospel. Okay, they have little to no access to the gospel. That's what unreach means. So that means that those three billion people are going to be born, live their entire life, and die without maybe ever meeting a Christian, without ever hearing a worship song, and they might not ever hear the name of Jesus. And that's tragic. That's three billion people with lives and families with goals. There's so many people, right? But what's crazy is that those three billion people, they represent 97% of unreached. So across the top of that box, I know it's middle, but across the top, right, 97% of unreached. And that's not to say that there aren't unreached people other places in the world or on this campus or in your community, but majority of them, 97% are in that 1040 window. And so I want to ask you guys a question, okay? If all of us in this room were in charge of all of the missionaries that were being sent out into the world, what percent of missionaries would you send to the 1040 window? 100%? Yeah, that'd be awesome. What else? 97% I'm hearing it because math, it just makes sense, right? 100% would be awesome. 97% would be amazing. 70%, great. 50%, still really good. 30%, I'd still be okay, right? Because there's other missionaries in the world or other places. 20% would be something. 10%, we're trying. You know what it is, guys? Four. 4% of all cross-cultural missionaries are going to the 1040 window, the place in the world where there's the greatest need. So I want to ask you guys, why do you think that there's only 4% that are going? Why only 4%? It's really hard. Yeah. What else? We have some just shout-out answers. Persecution, yeah, a lot of those countries in the 1040 window, they're close to the gospel. Maybe like one more. It's expensive, yeah, raising support, getting overseas. Guys, those are all really valid reasons, right? It's hard. There's language barriers. There's cultural barriers. People, there's persecution. It can be expensive. And we could go on and on with reasons why people aren't going, But guys, look at that. The number's not zero. There are people that are going to the 1040 window. So to kind of flip that question on its head, why do you think that those 4% are going? Because the number's not zero. They love people, yeah. They love God's people. Anybody else?
Yeah. Guys, those people are going because Jesus is worthy. No matter the risk, no matter the cost, they see the need in the world, and they said yes. And so they went and they took the gospel. So although those numbers don't add up at all, right? The harvest is plentiful, but the labors are few. We can be encouraged that there are people that are going. We can also see that there's work that you and I can do to see those statistics changed. And so jumping down to work, we're going to talk about two ways that we can be a part of God's mission. Does anybody remember the two ways we could blank and blank? Go and send. Yeah, so let's write that. Go and send. Were they already up there? Yeah, okay. That was a freebie. So does anybody remember the two ways that you can go? Here and there. Yes, go ahead and write those down. And then what are the two ways that we can send? Give and pray. Yes, so write pray and give. So guys, we can go here with international students. God has brought the nations to us, and they're sitting across from you in biology class. They're shopping at the same grocery stores as you. They probably live near you. And so we have the incredible opportunity to invite them into our lives and to share the gospel with them because we care about them. And that's what we do with people that we care about, right? And so although every or all the international students that are here, they might not be unreached from the 1040 window or even unsaved, but you have the chance to be their access to the gospel for the very first time. So don't miss out on the opportunity of making an international friend and sharing the gospel with them. Because the reality is, is that they might come here for four years where there's an abundance of access to the gospel because they know you, and then they might go back to their closed country and never hear the name of Jesus again. So my challenge to you guys Make one international friend this semester. Make one international friend. And guys, that's going here, but we can also go there. You guys are in college, and you have the incredible opportunity to use your winter breaks, spring breaks, and summer breaks to go invest in the kingdom and take the gospel with you. Because God has given us talents and passions that we get to use to leverage for the gospel. And these breaks, these time periods are built into your schedule. And you won't get this time off until you retire. So utilize these breaks really well. Guys, the BCM has opportunities this summer with Mission Hill to go to Miami. You guys can go to Miami for a week this summer, bring the gospel with you. You guys can also go to Ecuador for a week this summer and bring the gospel with you, with your community. Come back and continue sharing the gospel. And so my challenge to you guys, go for one summer. Go for one summer overseas. And so that's going, but we can also send, and sending is equally important and therefore should be equally sacrificial as going. And so we can send by praying. And y'all, prayer is so important. It is something that we can do at any time from anywhere. And there's a quote by a missionary named Samuel Zwimmer. He pioneered missions to the Arab world, and it says, the history of missions is just the history of answered prayer. So be a part of the next missions movements through praying fervently guys and because the reality is is that we pray for things that we care about and we care about things that we pray for so let god shape our hearts through prayer my challenge to you pray one time a day pray one time a day for the world and if you guys have no idea how to start doing that i'm going to tell you about an app that's going to help you it's called unreached of the day so in the corner you guys can write unreached of the day it's a free app that you can download and you can start praying for the world. It's going to tell you a new unreached group, or a new unreached people group. It's going to tell you who they are, what they believe, and how you can start praying for them. So download that and pray one time a day. 
And the last way we can sin is by giving. And I know as a college student, that can seem intimidating because how can you give when you might not have that much? But what's awesome is that God doesn't ask us to give a certain amount, but rather out of a heart posture of generosity. And so for me in college, I started giving up one meal out a week. That was $10 each week. At the end of the month, I had 40 real dollars I could give to someone that was going. So my challenge to you is to give to one person. If there's someone in this room going with the BCN this summer, give to them. But find somebody and start giving to one person. So these are ways that we can go and sin and be a part of God's mission. And so this is the profile of a world Christian, but we're going to jump back up to Christian, and we're going to draw a horizontal line between a Christian and world Christian. Don't draw that X quite yet. But just to recap, a Christian is someone who's in a relationship with Christ, right? But maybe they've never heard about God's heart for the world. And then we have the world Christian, someone who's following Christ, but who has heard about God's heart for the world and is ready to hop on a plane tomorrow. And so I want us to do a little heart check and place ourselves in between Christian and world Christian. It's going to represent a growth spectrum. So take like one second and put an X where you think you lie. I put our X over here because we all walked in here at different places and we all have room to grow. No one wakes up a perfect world Christian. It's a lifelong process of aligning our hearts with God's heart, right? But we wouldn't even be on this line at all if someone hadn't come and shared with us about God's heart for the world. And so that person is our third stick figure, the mobilizer. So go ahead and label them mobilizer. A mobilizer is someone who gets other people involved in God's mission or other people involved in something. But tonight, I want to challenge you guys to be a part of mobilizing towards God's heart for the world. And so what that looks like, track with me and draw this arrow, is going back to our Christian friends, right, people who know Christ but maybe don't know about this, and sharing with them about God's heart for the world. Maybe it's through the World Vision Illustration. Maybe it's through walking them through Scripture with this card. But when we do that, we're helping our Christian friends grow to become world Christians, which is awesome. Because So go ahead and draw an arrow from Christian to world Christian. I think it should be popping up, and draw a plus one by their head, because that represents that one more person sees God's heart for the world and desires to go and sin. But we also saw the need in the world, right? There's a ton of people that don't have the gospel. So what's bigger than addition? Multiplication, yes, math again. You guys are smart, so we need multiplication. We need world Christians to grow to become mobilizers, so when we help our friends grow to become mobilizers, to so draw that arrow and draw the time stamp by the head, that's multiplication. And what I mean by that is I'm sharing this with you guys. You guys are going to go and share with people that I don't know, who are going to go and share with people that you don't know, and so on and so forth. And that's multiplication. That's getting more and more people involved in God's mission. And so this is the World Vision Illustration. You guys are awesome. You can be a mobilizer by sharing this. Do you feel like you could share this with someone even if you just like pointed your way through? Thumbs up, head nods, yeah? Okay, sweet. Well, I want to challenge you guys to do that this week. And so underneath Christian, write a number one and a number two. And think of two people that you will share this with this week. It could be a mom. It could be your dad. It could be a roommate, a friend, whoever. Think of two people and write those names down. You guys can be a part of God's mission through mobilization. And guys, these are all just starting points to being a part of God's mission, right? By going and sending and being a mobilizer. But you are all really unique. And so your next step is going to look different than the person sitting next to you. 
And so as a traveling team, we want to help you take that next step, whatever that may look like. And as much as we would love to hang out with you guys, get coffee, talk one-on-one, we are the traveling team. And so we're leaving in a couple of days. But what we can do is we can get on the phone with you guys and process through your next steps. And as a traveling team, we partner with a ton of different sending organizations. So we can send you guys anywhere to do anything. So if you need an internship, we could maybe help you get one. If you guys want to use certain talents or passions, we could help get you overseas for a summer to do that. And so what that looks like is filling out a really quick online connect form so that we can set up a time to talk on the phone. So go ahead and pull out your phones. Pull out your phones and go to gosend.info. It's on the screen gosend.info and fill out that form. It's gonna ask for really basic information like your name, number, school, whatever it is, but don't worry, we will not send it over to Christian Mingle or anything like that. We'll keep it just for ourselves. But yeah, we're gonna reach out to you guys and we're gonna set up a time to walk through those next steps. So fill that out. At the bottom of the little form, it's gonna ask you who you met with. Girls put my name, Molly. Guys put Mason. So just going to give you one second to fill that out, and then I'm going to close this out. Yeah, we're excited to get on the phone to go through and process next steps on an individual level. Yeah, give you like one more second. Let us know if your phone isn't working, and we can get you a paper copy. Make sure you click submit at the bottom, and we'll reach out to you. It's literally us texting you from a coffee shop here in Tampa, so don't ghost us. It's kind of hurtful. Text us back. And we'll talk. But I am, yeah, I'm about to welcome up Jay. But before that, I want to get, tell you two more ways that you can keep growing. The first way is to follow us on social media at The Traveling Team. We have a ton of really cool stats and posts and pictures and whatnot about God's heart for the world. And so make sure you guys follow us and join us for World Prayer Wednesday every Wednesday at 1140 a.m. Eastern Time. The, sec- or the second thing that you guys can do is to check out that book table in the back. We have some free things like books, and, or sorry, that's the not-so-free things, but the free things are stickers and prayer maps, and then we also have books, so make sure you guys check that out. But that's all I have for you. I'm so excited that we got to be here tonight. I'm excited to see how God is going to use each and every one of you in taking the gospel to the nations, and I'm excited Yeah, just to hear about all of it. And so I'm going to welcome Jay up again. But you guys have been wonderful. I'm excited um, for the Easter egg hunt after this. But Jay, you can come up. And that's all we have.